Now, we're going to continue our summer series in this book of Genesis. We started last week, and this is part two. And as I said last week, Genesis is all about the beginning, the beginning of all things. So we're going to spend this summer looking at the key stories of the beginning of all things. And we're going to look at some stories from the past, and we're going to look at some stories of the beginning, some stories of today. And so as we begin today's message, I want you to hear a story of some of the beginnings and some of the workings of God in, in, in the lives of one of our leaders today. And each weekend when you come, you're going to hear a story from the past, like Jacob or Abraham or, or Noah or somebody like that. But you're also going to hear a story from one of our leaders, one of our elders today. And hopefully you can get to kind of know how God has been working in the life of some of the people that attend here at Canyon Hills. Today I'm going to ask Brad to come to the stage Brad Kindorf and Robbie uh, came to Canyon Hills years and years. and you know, <laughs> But uh, anyway, I was much younger then. Anyway, and uh, God had just really been doing a wonderful work in, in, in their lives. Would you please welcome Brad as he shares? Thank you, Larry. Well, I grew up in a Christian home. My, my parents are here today at Canyon, and so I had the, uh, the blessing to, to do that. And so, um, you know, as I was young. I found my wife, Robbie, and we got married. And, and for many years, um, just really didn't focus on the things of the Lord, focused on things of the world. So business and career and things like that. And about probably 10 years into our relationship, um, just found out that everything in our lives was broken. Business, um, personal life, our marriage, uh, just every part of our life was, um, was really broken. I wasn't leading in the way that God had called me to lead. And, and so that's what you get. And so, um, you know, it's kind of a, a last-ditch effort. We'll, we'll go find a church. We'll go, we'll go put God in, in our lives. My mom was constantly encouraging me to do that. And so, all right, this is our last-ditch effort. Let's, let's go. And so we, we happened to find this church, Canyon Hills, down the street here. And um, this is about uh, 20 years ago now. And so we, we came in, and we sat down. And it, was, it seemed like it was within the first week or two that we came that we just really decided to uh, commit to the Lord uh, to start serving the Lord in, in every way. And it seemed like at that point that God just started to heal every part of our life. And it was a pretty amazing thing. And then to watch, you know, many of the men um, here and be able to connect with uh, models like, like Larry as he was modeling what kind of um, leader that I was to become. And, and I look out here, I see Bob. Bob is one of those, one of those guys that I really just said, hey, you know, he's, he's focused on this. I'm going to focus on this with him. And, and it just seemed like God just turned our life around piece by piece. And then now, you know, raising our kids, we were able to you know, have kids here within Canyon and, and just having to, to, the influences of, of this church and, and, and all of you around our kids. It's a great thing. Our, teen, our kids are now teenagers now, so these are in the scary years. And so uh, we'll see what this family does now. But um, so, so, you know, we just had an opportunity to grow here. And I've just really felt so blessed to have um, a family like this around me. And so, you know, many times I've had a, an opportunity to... Um, to go out in other parts of the U.S. and, and get different kinds of jobs if I wanted, and I, I've never, I've never taken them. And it's not because I couldn't find God wherever I went; it's because I couldn't find a church family like this wherever I went. And so this has become such a, a critical fiber um, of our lives, of raising our children, of our marriage. And I just could never see us um, turning away from any of that, God or or this family. So thank you. He's constantly working in our lives, and 
And uh, thank you, Brad, for sharing that. He takes us just as we are. Amen? And he begins a work. And in that work that he begins, he says, I will complete it. And that's what God is doing in all of our lives. So thank you for sharing. Well, last week we talked about the story of creation and how God existed before anything else. And then God created. He made all that exists. Well, this week we're going to talk about the story of Adam and Eve because God created them, not only created them, but he then put them in the front of the line of all created things. And in fact, the Bible says that God put man in charge of every created thing in charge. So as we begin, look at what David wrote about God in the Psalms. He said, when I look up into the night skies and I see the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars you have made, I cannot understand how you can bother with mere puny man to pay attention to him. And yet you have made him only a little lower than the angels and placed a crown of glory and honor upon his head. You have put him in charge of everything you made. Everything is put under his authority. The truth is this as we begin. Write this down. God made mankind. That means that God alone thought up and designed in his mind every intricate part of the human body, every intricate part of the human spirit. And then by his word alone, nothing else, by his word alone as he spoke, we were created and given the breath of life. Just imagine God going, And Adam and Eve came to life. He gave mankind the breath of life. And get this. God made us with eyes that have 100 million receptors. So you can watch the moving flight of an eagle or the falling of a snowflake. God gave you ears that have 24,000 fibers that vibrate. And they might show up once in a while. I have to do this. Anybody else? All right. So maybe I only have 23,900. I don't know. So that you can enjoy the sound of ocean waves crashing or the nighttime song of a cricket. God made us with a body that has 500 muscles and 200 bones. And in your body, there are seven miles of nerve fibers that are synchronizing to give your body agility and movement. In your body, you have a heart. You have a heart that beats 36 million times a year. Everybody go, wow. (laughs) 36 million times a year. That pumps 600,000 gallons of blood through 60,000 miles of veins and arteries. And in your body, you have lungs that have 600 million pockets that expunge gases of waste from your body. In your body, you have four quarts of blood And that blood contains 22 trillion cells. And in each cell, there are millions of molecules. And in each molecule, there is an atom that is oscillating at 10 million times per second. You are intricately and wonderfully made by the hand of God. Amen? We we are awesome beings made By the hand of God. You are a walking miracle straight from the hand of your creator. 
In your body, you have a brain that weighs just three pounds. Some of us more, some of us less. But that brain has four million pain sensors. It has 500,000 touch detectors. It has 200,000 temperature gauges. Listen, this is the body that your God made for you. You are a walking miracle of God. And all of this and even more happened when God said, let us make mankind in our image. Now look at the word make. Before this, man did not exist. And man did not just somehow evolve from some tadpole or some monkey. We were made. We were built by God. When he spoke the word, let us make mankind in our image, in the image of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let us make man in our likeness or in our resemblance so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. And in the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. And God blessed them. He blessed them. And said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky. And over every living creature that moves on the ground. So God made mankind. And why did he do it? Write this down. He did it to reveal himself to all creation. To reveal himself. God said, let's make, our, make man in our image. In the image of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The triune God. Now, he didn't say that about water. He didn't say, let's make water in our image. He didn't say that about plants. He didn't say that about animals. Only about man did he say, let us make man in our image. You and I are made in the image of God so that he could reveal to everyone who would one day inhabit earth what he is like. Now, an image is kind of like an impression that's made. When you walk along the beach on wet sand, you leave an image. You leave an, an imprint. You make an impression in the sand. You leave the image of your feet. So when you go to the beach for our all-church family beach day this afternoon, and you walk on the beach, try it out. Leave an imprint of your feet. And then think about this. When God made mankind, he pressed into us his image. So that when others look at us, they not only see the features that identify us as us, but they see the image of God. And what are some of the things they see? Well, God has a personality. And so God put in us a personality. God has emotions. God has feelings. God, God has thoughts. And so he made us into beings that have emotions and feelings and thoughts. God has a morality, so he put within us a morality. Like God, we have a conscience. We know right from wrong. The Bible says God has written the word of God on our hearts. If we've never heard the word of God, even if we've never heard the name of Jesus, the Bible says God has written the word of God on our hearts. We know right from wrong from day one. Ever had a baby and they start to mess up? Even from the very early days, they know right from wrong. They have a sinful nature. Amen, moms? God gave us a morality we know right from wrong. 
God is a spirit, so he gave us a spirit. Our body is made, the Bible says, from the dirt of the earth. But when that dirt is gone, our spirit lives on. We are more than a physical being. Like God, we are a spiritual being. So to reveal himself to all creation, God reached down and he made Adam from the dirt. And then God reached into Adam and pulled out a rib and made Eve from Adam's rib. And then God made them live by his breath. God gave them the breath of life. And God made them to not only reveal himself to all creation, to say, folks, this is a little bit what I look like. This is who I am. I'm a loving, caring God who has thoughts and feelings and and emotions and a personality and morality. And I know right from wrong. God, people, this is who God is. This is who I am. But he also made us to rule over his creation. Write that down. Now, some people may ask today, why should mankind have more rights than animals have? Why don't dolphins or whales have as many rights as mankind? Because God said... Mankind is a rule over all other living creatures. Now, God does expect us to be responsible managers. He expects us to be loving caretakers of all of his creation. And we need to do even a better job of that. So God made mankind to reveal himself, but he also made us to rule over creation, to be loving, responsible managers of all that he filled the earth with. But here's the second truth that just I just love. Write this down. Then God blessed mankind. He not only made us, but he blessed us. Now, how did God bless Adam? Well, he blessed Adam in four ways that he also blesses us. And so write these down. First of all, God gave Adam a home. God gave Adam a home. He built him a home. The Bible says this. Then the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east. And here it is. And there he placed the man he had made. The Lord God made all sorts of trees grow up from the ground, trees that were beautiful and produced delicious fruit. In the middle of the garden, he placed a tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So here is God. He made a garden and he put Adam in that garden. And that garden was Adam's home. Now today, when you and I think of a home, we think of about a wood frame and a stucco exterior. We think about a, a structure. But isn't it interesting that still today, we try to make our homes look like a garden? I mean, how many of you live at Home Depot like I do? We spend thousands every year on irrigation replacements, on the water bill, on buying plants, on buying fertilizer to make the inside of our home and the outside of our home look like a garden. God knew that garden and nature and all of that kind of atmosphere was refreshing and brought brings enjoyment to us. And so he built a garden for Adam to live in. And still today, isn't it interesting? We're trying to make our homes look like a garden because God has put that within us. So God made a garden home for Adam. It was a lush home for his enjoyment and his refreshment. But the second thing he gave him was food and water. Food and water. Look, the Bible says God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground. Trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. A river watering the garden flowed from Eden. And there it was separated into four headwaters. God supplied Adam's physical needs. Made sure he had food and water. Not just a home... But his physical needs were met. 
Third, look at this. God then gave him a purpose. A purpose. God not only had gave Adam a wonderful home to live in, he not only gave Adam plenty of food and water to live on, but he also gave Adam a purpose to live out. A job, a home and a job and a purpose. Now, we don't know about every job that God gave Adam, but one job was to name all of the animals. I love this next scripture. Take a look at this. Now, the Lord God had formed out of the ground all of the wild animals and all of the birds in the sky, and he brought them to the man. Man, can you see that kind of a huge roundup going on? Can you, can you believe that? Man, just think about all of that. God brought all of those things he created to the man to see what he would name them. What he would name them. Can you believe this? God is allowing us to be creative. Instead of God saying, oh, Adam, by the way, call that one an aardvark. <laughs> he didn't do that. He let Adam be creative. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. What a job. Everybody say, big job. <laughs> big job. But what a fun job. He got to come up with things like dog and cat. Possum and skunk. <laughs> but I know, at that time, it was in a different language than English. But just think of the, the fun and the creativity that he got to enjoy in naming all of the animals. God gave him a job. God gave him a purpose in life. Next, God gave him a helper. A helper. You know, he, so here we have Adam. God gave him a home to live in. A supply of food and water to live on. A purpose to live out. And now a person, person to live with. The Lord God said this. It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he, God, took one of the man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man. And he, God, brought her to the man. And the man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman for she was taken out of man. So try to get this picture. Here's Adam standing amidst all of the great things that God had just made. Perfect, beautiful, lush, full of everything Adam needed. But Adam was lonely. So God made and brought a woman into Adam's life. God blessed Adam with a helper, with a partner. And it was on that day that marriage between a man and woman began. And the Bible says this in chapter 2 of Genesis. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. Listen, folks. God made mankind. And he gave us his very best. But as man, we chose to fall in, into sin. And today, we are marred by the effects of sinful choices. We're not close to what God intended us to be. Our bodies have become diseased. Our spirits have become distant from God. God blessed mankind with a home and food and water and purpose and a helper. But listen close now. This life that you are living is not all there is. There is something more. There is something far better, something far greater. 
In this life, maybe a disease has wrecked your body. Maybe you can't walk. Maybe you can't talk. Maybe you can't remember the way you used to remember. I'm having senior minutes, uh, moments now and then. Anybody else losing names now and then? Every once in a while, maybe you can't do the things that you used to do. Maybe you've had a financial loss and maybe it's left you lacking and you don't today have enough. In this life, maybe a problem have, has left you perplexed and you don't know your purpose for living. And you're saying, why should I keep on living? Maybe a death, maybe a divorce has left you alone. And maybe there's no one here to help you. If any of those things are true about you, I'm here to tell you this morning, and God has put this message on my heart, this life is not all there is. There is more. Amen? Because the same God who gave Abraham, or gave Adam a home, the same God who gave Adam a supply of food and water and a purpose for living and a lifelong helper has all of that in store for you. So listen close. God has a home for you. He's got an eternal garden, an eternal home for you that nobody can ever repossess, nobody can ever take from you. And all of God's people said... Amen. Because Jesus says, in my Father's house are many rooms. I am going there to prepare a place for you. God's got an eternal home for you that nobody can ever take away from you. Second, God has a supply for you. You will never go hungry. You will never thirst. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Who comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Never again, he says in Revelation chapter 7, will they go hungry. Never again will they thirst. God has a home for you. God has an eternal supply for you. God has an eternal purpose for you. Look at this. You'll be working side by side with Jesus. You'll be worshiping him and working with him for all eternity. The Bible says we who believe in Jesus will shout hallelujah. Can you do that? Here we go. Hallelujah for our Lord God almighty reigns. We will worship him together, but also we will Work with him. The Bible says if we died with him, we'll also live with him. If we endure with him, we will also reign with him. God has an eternal home for you. He's got an eternal supply for you. He's got an eternal purpose for you. And God has an eternal helper for you. You will never, ever be alone. You will never be abandoned. That's why when you die, you have to have no fear in your heart because your eternal helper, your eternal companion is the Lord Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said... Amen. You will be with him and he will be with you forever. Listen to this. The Bible says, I heard a loud voice speaking from the throne of God. Now God's home is with people and he will live with them and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and he will be their God. He will wipe away all tears from their eyes. There will be no more death, no more grief or crying or pain. The old things of earth, the old things of here and now have disappeared. So listen close. This life is not all there is. There is more. Say that with me. There is is more. Make me believe it this morning. Come on. There is more. Folks, this earth is not heaven. But for those who of us who believe in Jesus, those of us who follow the Lord Jesus Christ, there is more. Heaven is next. And when you get to heaven, you will be all that God intended you to be. 
The Bible says when we see Jesus coming for us, we will be, say it with me, like him. Like him. And we will experience all that God has always intended for us forever and ever. This life is not all there is. Don't get it, get wrapped up in discouragement and seeking the things of the world. There is more. You've got an eternal God coming to you. Amen? Eternal life coming to you. Pray with me. As I close and pray this prayer, would you make this your commitment today? As I pray, would you just kind of pray it in your heart? Father, I choose to die to sin that I might live with Christ, my creator. And I will not give up. I will endure that I might reign with Christ. By faith, I thank you for my eternal home to come. I thank you for being my eternal bread and water. I thank you for my eternal purpose of reigning with you. And I thank you that you will be my eternal helper. Father, as your church meets together today, we just want to humbly bow and worship to you. We want to also stand and give awesome praise to you for all that you made, all that you created, for every one of your blessings. And sometimes, Lord, on this earth, as you know, we get clouded and we get distracted and disillusioned. But God, help us to leave this place knowing that this isn't all there is. That beyond the grave for us who believe is eternal heaven. Eternity with the God who so intricately made us. God, we worship you today. You are good. We love you. We bless you. We worship your name. And all of God's people said, amen.